Welcome to the Good and Basic Podcast, a long-form discussion in which we talk in a slightly better and more complex manner about previous videos on the channel. With me in the booth is Joseph F. Remember the F? <laughs> <laughs> and also we have Joseph B, so JB and JF if you watch the YouTube comments. Um, let's get a couple of announcements out of the way real fast and then we'll start the podcast. Um, the first and most important one is that we have finally transferred the podcast to an audio-only format. So uh, those of you who have been watching this or listening to this with your phone in your pocket tethered to your uh, Wi-Fi connection in the building, um, if you check out the video description, you'll see um, other places where we have the podcast hosted in an audio-only format where you can subscribe and listen to it without uh, either A, being tethered to the Wi-Fi, or B, uh, eating up your data like, I don't know, like somebody after a seven-year famine. So... Yes, so that'll be nice. You'll be able to hear that. I feel like that's kind of a, a monumental transition for the podcast. It's now like an official podcast, not just a new flavor of YouTube video. Yeah, for sure. Um, other big announcement is that next week we are flying to Europe. Woo! So um, what we're doing there is a giant project and collab tour through the Netherlands and the UK, which should be just wildly awesome. We're going to be visiting a number of open-air history parks in the Netherlands. We're also going to be visiting a couple of interesting workshops. We'll, we'll be doing a class with Will Lord, who is, like, the leading expert on Stone Age technology. It's going to be amazing. And then we've got a few other collabs lined up. Basically, the only thing we won't be doing is catching our breath the entire time that we're over there. Yeah, or, or sleeping. Um, yeah, we're going to be packing the five-hour energies and seeing how it goes. So, <laughs> um, Anyway, so we'll also be recording the podcast a little bit more frequently. We think we're going to be recording conversations that we have in the cars we're driving around. Um, so so you can look forward to that if you enjoy the podcast format. Yeah. And of course, we'll have scads of videos after this. Oh, scads yes. of awesome, awesome projects. So this should be really great. Well, on to today's topic. So today we are talking about something that has been <coughs> a subject of discussion on and off for the last 13 years, I think we decided. For both of us. Yeah. yeah it's been percolating for a long time. You could say a long-awaited podcast. A long-awaited podcast. This is the topic of education. What education system is best? How best to approach your own education, regardless of what system you end up doing it through? Um, to begin that, let's, let's summarize the two videos that this is going to be referencing, and then we will talk a little bit about our educational histories, mm -hmm. and then get into the meat of the discussion. Okay. So first... We did two videos, one titled How to Get Bad Grades in Law School and the other titled How to Get Good Grades in Grad School. Yeah. And uh, they are companion videos to each other. I'll summarize the first one, and then how about you summarize the second? Perfect. 30 seconds, ready, go. 30 seconds, ready, go. Um, I'm in law school. Law school tries to suck your soul in that there is a lot of pressure to be in the top 10. Mm -hmm. And the be, because that is a comparative grade, you have to outcompete the rest of the students, which means studying longer, harder faster, stronger, and the, the sacrifice required to do that would mean for me uh, probably sacrificing this YouTube channel and sacrificing the quality of time and the amount of time I'm able to spend with my family. I have made a conscious decision to not expend full effort to try to get top grades, and I've decided consciously to kind of go to the middle or latter end of the pack mm -hmm. so that I can reinvest that time in other things. Yeah. In other words, I'm being conscious about the values that I am <coughs> pursuing through my legal education. I'm interested in it in more objective than relative terms. Okay. Uh, ready for my 30 seconds? Let's go for it. Okay. So my video, I'm also, well, I just finished grad school. I just finished a master's program and uh, I ran into a similar problem. And I think you run into this problem in all education really, which is even when you get good grades, the system can still kind of suck your soul. 
Um, and part of the reason is because uh, education should provide more autonomy for you, right? But it's hard for something to provide autonomy to you. That's a little contradictory. And so in some sense, you have to grow out of um, your education. Um, it's very possible to get good grades in a bad way. And so my video was about, well, how can you get good grades in a way that's, that's really um, where, where you, don't, you don't cheat and where you don't sell your soul either? Where you're able to commit yourself to your program and uh, at the same time make sure that it is your goals and not necessarily some other set of pressures that you're yielding to. That's, that's one way of thinking about it for sure. Okay. So, so our videos were about pretty, well, you know, in some sense the summary lesson was pretty similar, right? Make, yeah. a, make a conscious decision about your education. Um, let's talk for a second about sort of the, the this whole 12-year arc, right? Yes. Maybe even a little longer, right? Uh, begin at the beginning. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so yeah. 12, 13 years ago, um, we actually went to the same high school. That is where we met, uh, which was an incredibly fortuitous thing, which has led to this YouTube channel and the podcast, and I'm very grateful for that. And the high school that we met in was, was kind of unique. It was a charter school, and it was the first year that that charter school was open, which means chaos reigned. Um, there, uh, not bad chaos. It, I, yeah. I mean yeah. that in the most positive way possible. Yeah. So the first thing, um, at the high school, all the students were new. Mm -hmm. And so there were no established cliques. Mm -hmm. There couldn't be. I mean, there was no one there to have a clique with. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's kind of making new friends. There's lots of incentive for that. And also the, the hierarchy within the high school was not firmly established, and which means it's kind of a clean slate. Everything is forming for the first time, mm -hmm. which means it can be formed in the way that you want it to form. You could make a very friendly culture, you could make a very educationally interested culture, or you could make kind of, you know, uh, a, a skater bum sort of culture which isn't at all interested in going to class. Mm -hmm. Another thing was... This the, is the positive face of chaos, the right? Positive the positive face of chaos. The potential to remake things. Yeah, and to remake them better. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of freedom. Freedom is good chaos. For, for those who don't know what a charter school is, um, it's a school that receives public school funding. It receives funding from the public education system, but it generally has quite a bit more freedom in how it applies things, how it uh, runs its educational program. Often, they'll be focused on, uh, on a particular subject area. There's some that focus on the arts. There's some that focus on the humanities. There's some that focus on tech and science. Um, ours had a liberal arts and leadership focus is the way I would describe it. Yes. So, so the way books. you described this earlier, which is, I think, a great way of describing it, is that charter schools are sort of guinea pigs or laboratory rats where you can test out uh, new ways of doing education and then hopefully the public school system can learn from it. Right. The, the public school helps uh, the state funds it and then watches what works and what doesn't and is then able to hopefully extract those principles and apply them more generally. So that's roughly the idea of a charter school. So basically we were guinea pigs for four years. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, <laughs> guinea pigs can end up... Wow, when you say it like that, right? <laughs> it, it, the one thing a guinea pig could end up with is like, uh, you know, deformities or death, but the other thing it could end up with is superpowers, and I like to think it's more toward the latter. Uh, in our case, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Um, well, it, before we talk about that high school and kind of uh, carve out or describe this 12-year arc, um, do you want to say a little bit about your, your educational history before, sure. before our so high school? My, yeah. my, before I went to this high school, I spent 10 years homeschooled. My mom uh, was uh, amazing in that she dedicated her time and her talents to, to raising me and giving me a really a world-class education at home. And I'm, I'm amazingly grateful for that. The, the, the impetus for that was that I went to public school kindergarten, and my teacher was convinced that I was slow and needed to be put in special education. And so 
my mom uh, opted to teach me at home and that got me up to speed in such a way that I was able to do just fine when I got to high school and then graduate early and go to college by the time I was 16. So I mean, yeah, that was kind of my educational background. I, I've thus had experience with public school system, with homeschool, with a charter school, which is kind of modified public school, and then with uh, a two-year associate's college, uh, yeah, a college, associate's degree college. Okay, um, my, my educational background before that was, was roughly similar. I homeschooled one year, but most of my, I spent all of elementary school in a, uh, in public school and then part of middle school in a couple different charter schools. So, so okay, so, so there we are in just like a, a multitude of different educational systems. Boom, we get dropped into this high school. Um, let, let's kind of try to give a little bit more of a flavor of this high school too to, to kind of see where all these ideas are coming from. So liberal arts and leadership focus, um, yes. that ends up meaning... And then and it's also the first year of the school, so everyone's figuring out what they're doing. And there's a ton of enthusiasm and also <clears throat> not a whole lot of order because everyone's figuring yeah. out what's going on. One of the things um, that was Lots of discussions, there. lots of reading, writing, um, and lots of, yeah, a lot of discussion more than anything. Yeah, lots and lots of discussion. And on multiple levels, like in an individual classroom, we would be having discussions as a major part of the, the way the class functioned. But in addition to that, um, all of the teachers who were there, we didn't call them teachers, we called them mentors. They were all there because they really kind of believed in the school and were excited about the opportunity to make education anew. Mm -hmm. And they, I mean, they're different people. They're not all gonna have the same idea. And so there's kind of multiple layers of discussion happening at the same time. There's the discussions within individual classrooms, the discussions between classes, the, the differences in opinion kind of generally between the administration. Everybody's kind of trying to figure out what the vision for the whole school is. And also and also how to implement that vision, right? Like you can say we're going to have the best education ever and you can even say, you know, we're going to take charge of our education and, you know, we're going to inspire people and create leaders. And it's like, okay, yes, but like what does that look like on the ground? What does that look like in the classroom? How do you, what are, what are the specifics there? Yeah. So. Yeah. Tremendously cool. Also, um, transferring in from all the various educational backgrounds that we were from, um, a lot of us were from homeschool, a lot of us were, for, were from public school, and uh, that transition, you know, anytime you transition from one thing to another, you get into the mode of comparing them, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that course. allows you to kind of see uh, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, and to kind of uh, get the context from which to think about what an ideal education system would look like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, well, and it occurs to me, maybe this is where we're going to start disagreeing, which I, I hope we will, because that'll make this more interesting. Indeed. Um, but uh, what I think the answer to that is, is, is frankly, and I think this is the answer that's revealed by both of our videos, and I think it's also the answer that, that I feel anyway is revealed by my whole educational history, uh, is that it doesn't fundamentally matter. Um, it's not about the educational system primarily, although that's a non-negligible concern. It's about who you are as an individual. And it's about what you bring to it. And it's about what kind of dynamism and uh, what kind of potentialities you can create between, with the interaction between you and the system. If um, I, but if I, I just, I just, translating that I don't, I don't believe way, in systems. The way that you go about it, not the system itself. That, that's a way of describing. I'm not happy with that description for a couple of other reasons, but, but okay. let's, let's let that sit for now. Let's yes. with that. Well, and this is the thing, right? So which is better, homeschool, charter school, or public school, or maybe private school? Neither of us have gone to private schools at a, at a uh, primary, secondary level. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, which system is best? And my answer is, well, 
Well, that's a stupid question. I, I don't know that, um, I would try rephrasing it a little bit. So is there a perfect system? I would say no. There are weaknesses with all of them. Um, I, in addition to the experiences of going to school, I've also had the opportunity to be a high school teacher. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I've kind of seen the other side of the, of the desk. And that experience was fascinating because I got to see the strengths and weaknesses in my individual students based off of their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny because, I mean, with homeschoolers, I mean, I, I was homeschooled for 10 years. I've got kind of a bias in that direction. But um, among my students, many of my homeschool students were absolutely inept in math and science because their parents, you know, wanted to read the great books and spend a lot of time reading as a family. Oftentimes, these kids had read a lot. I mean, they were way ahead of where... A lot of literature. Lots and lots non of Non-technical literature. Lots of non-technical literature, and that's, yeah. The technical stuff was, was scary, and they didn't do it. Um, there were kids who couldn't, you know, do basic multiplication tables, and that is a problem. Uh, on the other hand, I had other kids who were quite well-balanced and completely able to handle themselves socially, intellectually, and all the rest. And, you know, similar problems with with the backgrounds of a lot of my students. So, you know, I, I see strengths and weaknesses all over the place. So one way that you could phrase this is to say that there is no perfect education system, no perfect system that is just gonna create perfect students every time, factory style, but maybe there are better and worse systems. And yeah, I, I, I don't feel, buy that either. I feel very. I mean, I, or, that. sorry. I, I obviously there are, there are some that are better, or worse than others, but I don't I don't buy that. That's the right way to look at it. Really? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't, and I think fundamentally because I, I think the fundamental reason why is because I I believe that education is about who you're creating, uh, uh, what kind of individual you're making yourself into, right? And so I think I think that the focus on the system is the wrong place to put the focus, right? Um, uh, you know, if only we could find the right system and then and then apply it, that would solve our problems. For and it's like, okay, okay, that hasn't been my that hasn't been my experiences. Uh, my experience has been it's my interaction with the system, not the system. And so the system is a piece of that, but but uh, but I'm 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 loath to sort of fetishize the the system. I had great experiences in all three types of school, right? Uh, and I think that was because of what I was bringing to it and the way I was interacting with it. And certainly they had uh, different characteristics, right? But, but ultimately, I don't think that was the determining factor in my education. I just don't. One thing that I find incredibly important in any discussion about education is its, is its goals. What are the goals of education? What is this thing that we call education trying to do? And one of the answers to that is to socialize people into a particular kind of person, into factory workers, say, around the turn of the century, mm -hmm. or into ideal citizens in a particular government, or to try to create people in a, after a particular image. So in other words, kind of a factory model where you are you have this goal of what a person should be like and you try to create them like that. Mm -hmm. And we get this idea that education is about uh, some kind of personal change slash development where you as a, as a person are going to change. That, that's certainly embedded in the Latin root of the word um, educare, which means to draw out. Um, like if you talk about ductile metals, it mm -hmm. means you can draw them out in a wire. It's the same root. Educate. Interesting. Ductile. So it means to draw out. Right. So so there's this sense of like a... Stretching. W well, uh, also, also in, in, I think, that's what you think of when you think but of wires. Like but also draw, draw forth. Draw, yes, draw forth, I think, would also be a really good translation of that. Interesting. So so you're going to change so the result of education. Yeah. And 
the, the, there is um, there are multiple levels of change. I mean, on the one hand, you can train kind of skills, just something that you are now capable of doing that you weren't able to do before. But there is kind of this deeper sense of education, which transla- which kind of relates to this old Greek word of arete, mm-hmm. like general virtue. Generalized or excellence. Generalized excellence in being. Yeah. And I think that's when we, especially when we talk about liberal arts education, which isn't, you know, laser focused at a particular set of skills or a particular type of career. It's more about the general person who is capable mm-hmm. of, in a general way, thinking well, writing well, ex- able to express well, and able to decide well, hopefully. Which is, which is the model of education from the Renaissance backward all the way to ancient Greece is basically, how can we create good citizens? In other words, how, and you, you want to not attach too much, let's say, political significance to that word citizens in this case. Instead, it's more like, how can we create uh, people who can live and function in society? How can we create capable individuals who together can make something greater than the individual parts? Especially in a democratic society where every person is, is a ruler, in a sense. You want people who are able to decide well. And every person is a pillar, too. They're part of the foundation, yeah. right? Which means that you need all the individuals to be capable capable agents. Yes, capable agents and hopefully non-dependent agents. Yes. So so this is kind of this, this, this is where you get one of the first cross purposes within education, and that is that you want to create people who are independent and capable of choosing for themselves, whilst at the same time having this uh, system or teacher trying to draw that out of them or make them into this, which, isn't something that they're necessarily choosing. So, I mean, you have homework, which is assigned, not particularly chosen, and then the goal of this is to help you to choose more effectively and to be a more capable, robust, thinking, independent human being. Mm -hmm. And that that seems to be one of the major tensions. Um, You know, in teenage years, high school and teenage years kind of coincide, and I, I had you know, uh, struggles with authority. I really didn't like that I was assigned and forced to do homework of any kind. And I would look at some requirements and say, well, that isn't going to make me a better person or that doesn't align with my goals, so it's stupid and I hate it. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of these uh, thoughts about how to systematize properly originally came from Mm -hmm. was was rebellion, like trying to claim my own will and say, "I I am me and you can't make me do something I don't want to do which, you know, is part of education. Going through that uh, differentiation where you're able to say, I am an independent human being is, is part of that. But to do that in a way that allows you to continue to play nice with the other kids and the administration and your teachers. Also very important. Yeah, and challenging. Yeah. Um, it's easy to get that balance wrong on one side or the other. So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you work within a system? And, and this, I think, gets more to your point, which is that it's less about the, the system or the approach less about the philosophies of your teachers, more with the way that you are able to interact with them such that you take the good, always take the good, while remaining an independent human being who is growing in in the ways that are actually important rather than just being formed in someone else's image. Would this be a good time to talk about Kevlar cows? Yeah, sure. I'm just I'm just thinking this through because I'm, I'm I don't know. There's some, there's something here that I'm not that's that's not not jiving, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. But but we can talk about Kevlar cows for a second. So this is, gosh, when did this originate? This this little meme that was like seven years ago. Yeah, 2010, um, something like that. About about 2012, it would have been. Um, 
so so I, I believe anyway. So so you know it would have been 2012. So Kevlar cows, right? Um, the idea is something like this: is uh, you know uh, sometimes you can compare the education system to an assembly line, right? That's a pretty fair comparison, um, in the sense that you know, and this is maybe well, no, no, this is pretty true. Cross education is in some sense you're, you know, you're a you're a cog in the machine. It's a faceless bureaucracy. You know, you're just getting through, getting your little stamp of approval at the end. That's what a diploma is, You are the is, product. Right? You are the product of a system that is trying to create something. Correct, right? So, and, and well, and even this was the way it was for my undergrad, right? Like, I never had to talk to a human being and have them evaluate me personally. Instead, I just t- took all the classes and then they gave me a degree, right? Um, w- which was different from my master's degree because there, there were specific humans who looked at me. You know, they didn't just look at my, what I was on paper, right? They looked at me and said, okay, should this person get a degree, right? Um, so, so anyway, you can sort of think about uh, education systems as sort of that factory line approach, right? That's that's one way of thinking about it that seems pretty correct, right? And if right? you're a pessimist, and you so can then say it's like a slaughterhouse. Yes, well, then that's the next thing, right, is that it's cows, cows go in at one end and then they grind you into hamburger, right? So so that's a pretty cynical approach. So here's the question then is, okay, you are a cow in the system. You're, you're, you're a cow and you're on your way to the slaughterhouse. What's the correct approach? And, and here's two possible approaches. Is One is you could docilely submit and say, yes, you know, what I what I am here for is to become a hamburger. That's my real purpose in life. I'm not a cow. I'm not a person. I'm not a, I don't have a soul. I'm, I'm just, I'm here to become hamburger. Right. And so then you just kind of sit there and they do their thing and they shoot you in the head with a rod and then they turn you into hamburger and, and there you go. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Another approach you could say is another approach you could take is you could uh, get together with all the cows and print revolutionary um, pamphlets and, uh, uh, you know, read the uh, writings of Mao Zedong, excuse me, Cao Zedong. Um, and, you know, get your, all your AK-47s and pitchforks and torches and burn down the factory, right? You burn down the slaughterhouse. Which is a terrible thing to do. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, well, and, and so that's another approach you could take. And the, the Kevlar cow idea is something like this. It's that the right way to run your education, it's not rebellion against the system precisely. It's, not, it's, not, it's not the sort of knee-jerk reactionaryism, reaction. Reaction, reactionism. It's not being a knee-jerk reactionary. Um, it's also not uh, sort of uh, allowing yourself to be dissolved and 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 just sort of like blindly submitting to what what happens, right? Instead, the the idea is you want to be a Kevlar cow, and what that is is it's a cow who wears Kevlar armor and goes through the slaughterhouse without being harmed by it, right? Hence, the Kevlar right presumably protects it from all the meat grinding stuff. I, I don't think this fortune. idea works in practice, right? It's, it's just a metaphor, so run with it. Sure. Um, and, and so, so, that's, so that's the Kevlar cow is this idea that, okay, maybe there would be a way that we could go through the system without having our soul sucked away from us. Maybe there's a way we could go through the system and it would actually make us better and stronger and more competent individuals. Um, and, and that could happen. And then we wouldn't have to get AK-47s and burn down the, uh, burn down the slaughterhouse. And we also wouldn't have to... Um, sort of be 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 enslaved by the system instead we could we could transcend it right we could transcend it and and and, re, and uh, let's see what's the right way use it in the right way not fetishize it but not uh, but not uh, be reactionary against it either right able to exist with it and and maybe the, the peaceful coexistence it would be peaceful coexistence well it's more than just peaceful coexistence because one problem with the Kevlar cows analogy is that best case scenario for a cow going through a slaughterhouse is to just not be dead at the end. But in an educational system, um, it's not just that you pass through it unchanged. The goal of education is change, but it's it's about getting the right kind of change and preventing the wrong kind. So it's like selective armor. It's where you are able to 
block the things that are not going to make you a better person and you're able to absorb the things that will and you are constantly mediating that boundary. Anyway, Kevlar cows. Um, Sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. just being so silent because because actually I, I thought I knew what I thought when I walked into this booth to record the podcast and now I'm, I'm thinking through some th- through some other possibilities. So, uh, well, that's good. Yeah, there we go. Because uh, because something something in what you're saying doesn't doesn't jive, but but let's let's leave it be for now, and I'll yeah, see if I can it doesn't tease have it out. entirely the flavor of what's right. You know, what's yeah, interesting doesn't. to me is that uh, education itself is is seems to be about change, about change, and one of the problems with change, particularly change that involves your ability to see, because one of the things that you gain through education is the ability to see the world differently. And just not just to see it differently. It's not a lateral shift to the side. It, it's actually to see it better, more clearly. It's qualitative. It's like it's yes. like it's it's not just like seeing more of the same. Instead, it's like seeing in. It's like be, it would be. It'd be if you could see in the infrared spectrum, right? Like it opens up a whole new dimension of, yeah. of, of, of vision. Things that you could not see before. Yes. Even if you tried hard. Yes. So one. So the analogy I like here is Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. He is able to see what Danny is really doing. Danny is, uh, Daniel Sutton is painting the fence or waxing the car or sanding. And to his mind, it's stupid rote uh, slave labor. He doesn't see any value in it. Mm -hmm. His ability to say whether or not this is a thing worth doing is close to zero. However, fortunately, he has a master who has his best interests at heart, a teacher who honestly is able to see the the Daniel Sutton that could be the one that's actually capable of doing this. He's able to see the value of the exercise. And at the end of it, if Daniel Sun has sufficient faith in his teacher, he's able to, you know, he knows karate suddenly out, out of waxing all those cars. Um, alternatively, maybe your teacher isn't quite as capable as they think they are, and maybe they see things in you that are not real. I, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being evaluated in a manner that just did not make sense in a way that was like, you have no idea who I am as a person. Um, but I have. I mean, I've had a number of instructors try to try to describe what I was like, and I said, yeah, I, I don't think you're seeing anything real there. But the ability to distinguish between those two... you should tell them about your kindergarten experience. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's one example. I know um, it's a long time ago, but... It, it, it's reflective. Um, in kindergarten, I was I was slow. I mean, I was... I took my time. So we would be doing little worksheets with, you know, recognizing numbers and reading short little sentences and uh, doing tiny little addition problems, doing sums. And I would... Uh, I would frequently not be done when it was time to leave for recess. And so the other kids would get to go to recess and I'd have to sit in the classroom. And that was kind of miserable. And I was just slow, 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 slow. And my teacher was convinced that that was because I was mentally deficient. And then um, my family... I was going to say, I hope it's clear by now that you're in law school that you're probably not mentally deficient in any serious way. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a good heuristic. Yeah. um, Well, in any case, my mom took... My family went on a vacation for a week, and so the homework piled up for a week. And then uh, my... I, I had to do it in order to continue with class, and so... My mom was helping me to work through these worksheets at home, and I was being slow, 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 slow. And then she explained to me that I couldn't play until I finished the worksheets, and then I was done in a half an hour. Um, and so at that point, she started thinking, maybe maybe this isn't the right system within which to do this. Maybe we could try doing it at home and see if we can't get better results. 
And then after year one worked really nicely, we continued on to year two, and before you knew it, it was year 10, and then I went to um, a charter high school. So I mean, that that's one example where the insight of your teacher is critical in education, and your ability to trust your teacher and to rely on that insight is critical. And so that means that you, as a student, who have not fully developed your evaluative eyes and your ability to distinguish between what is good and what is best, um, you need to be able to evaluate your teachers, and, and how do you do that? Well, well th that's the thing is, maybe this is sort of the false note that I'm sensing, perhaps, is um, uh, something, all the best educational experiences that I've ever had have been ones where where I had goals. Does that make sense? It wasn't, it, I was not, you know, to, uh, sorry, this is a way overused quote, but but let's go ahead, right? I was not a pail waiting to be filled. Instead, um, I, I was, I already had an internal fire, right? I didn't even need to have the fire lit. Instead, I had goals um, and I wanted to learn and I, and I, there were things I was aiming at, right? Sure. So all the best educational experiences I've had have been like that, right? And so, so part of me says, hey, wait a second, you know, you need to place a lot of confidence in your own native ability to judge quality. You need to place a lot of confidence in your own native ability to navigate the path forward. Yeah. Um, because in the end, that's that's the skill that you're trying to cultivate is your ability to figure out what to do next. And if you want to cultivate a skill, well, guess what? You have to practice it, right? Which which is sort of, then I'm saying that's the whole paradigm for how you should approach your education is every decision is, okay, this is this is my opportunity to 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 nurture and cultivate and fine-tune my ability to detect quality, right? Not my ability to to let other people evaluate quality for me, my ability to detect quality. Yes, that is true. So maybe maybe the analogy is closer to, uh, gosh, this is the image in my head. We'll see if it makes any sense. Is you have to have the rocket already burning, and then you can have some help with the guidance of the fins a little bit, but you need to be more or less sure of the direction you want to go in, and then it's like the fine details that'll kind of get you there. Like uh, Daniel Sun, when he goes to his karate instructor, he knows that he wants very badly to learn karate. Yeah. And one of the things that Mr. Miyagi is testing is not, he's not just teaching him. He's not just teaching him. He's also testing him. Mm -hmm. He's testing the, the strength of his resolve. Yeah. He's testing him in terms of, do you want to learn karate from me so badly that you will do something that you have absolutely no idea what it is for? and willing to do this work for me that seems to be useless and just me helping me out. Yeah. So it's, it's testing, his, his, uh, testing his fire. Although some teachers do light fires too. You right? know, like you, you meet teachers and they, they help you light fires for sure. They help you light a fire inside you. I about that. Um, I taught junior high and high school, and the difference between teaching junior high and high school is amazingly different. Um, in junior high, it's everything you can do to get the kids to slow down. Um, they are chaos bouncing off the wall all the time. Mm -hmm. talking, 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 trying to get any semblance of focus or direction out of that classroom is, is a challenge. Um, in high school, it's anything you can do to get them to speed up to where they're actually doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's like somewhere between junior high and high school, they slow down to, I don't know what you want to do today, I don't care, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to be in the inspirational mode, teach high school, and if you want to be in kind of the, let's direct the chaos and kind of manage it into the, an appropriate direction, then that's junior high for you. But of the two, I honestly prefer teaching high school. I like being in the place of trying to bring out a little bit of inspiration. That's the, the spot that I enjoyed more. It was more fulfilling.
So that's something worth noting. Um, I, I think we can all point to teachers who have inspired us in that way. But um, maybe maybe that's maybe you remember it so well because it only needs to happen a few times. Like really, once the fire's lit, hopefully it stays lit, and then it's a matter of kind of just you know uh, channeling it, it and cultivating it and, and uh, helping to nudging to, in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, education. actually, let me let me bring up. I was just I was just thinking. This just came to my mind. Um, I was talking with one of our old high school administrators. Um, gosh, a couple of years ago it would have been. But um, he mentioned to me something interesting, right? So, you know, from let's say kind of an evolutionary psychology perspective, um, y- you know, your brain is a tool for survival. It's a, it's a tool to help you survive and thrive, right? And the way that humans, well, the, the way that humans survive and thrive, roughly speaking, is, is through our brains, right? Like you don't have tough skin, you don't have sharp teeth, uh, you can't uh, you can run a horse to death, but you certainly can't uh, run faster than a horse, let's say, um, right? Like there's, uh, you don't have wings, you don't have claws, you don't have very much uh, that, that lots of other animals have, right? Yeah, to, 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 said, no, no claws, no fangs, no venom. Yeah. 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 You, you don't even have that little mantis thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so what do you have? Well, you have your brain, you have your ability to, to recognize patterns in the world and to create sort of a mental map of the world, right? Choices. So, so here's one of the problems then is that, um, one of the problems that you run into then is that if if you can't detect a meaningful pattern in the world, that just would, this is what this administrator was proposing, is if you can't detect a meaningful pattern in the world, if everything is arbitrary, you can't create that mental map, uh, you can't you can't be a human, like you can't, you can't do anything because you're built to build those maps, build meaningful maps of the world, and you can't build a meaningful map of the world if everything around you is, is arbitrary, right? So, um, so, so he was proposing, you know, one of the problems in, in high school is that uh, everything is so arbitrary that uh, students are unable to create meaningful maps. And so, you, you, like, there's, there's nothing they can do. There's nothing to aim at. There's a lot of the requirements that are made seem to be arbitrary. Well, I would, I'll, I'll go even a little further. I'll say a lot of them are. Okay. I don't, it sounds like you're not willing to go that far. I am. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't well, know. you have more, you, I mean, one of the things that I think you would say is that you've gained more appreciation than you used to have for the necessity of form and structure. True? Yes, that is Kay. true. Yeah, that for me, true. it's been a little bit of the reverse. So It's so funny <laughs> because, I mean, temperamentally, you had more respect for the structure and mm-hmm. you also had more ability to negotiate it in such a way that you were able to, uh, for, for instance, like that project you did with your history teacher, that ability to find ways to work within the system such that you were f- extremely free within the structure yeah. and to feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was the Kevlar cow. I, I would be the one who was staring at the wall constantly and feeling like I was in prison, even if I was quite free to move around within the, within hmm. the structure, um, which is really interesting. Uh, so there seems to be some temperamental adjustments that need oh. to be made for your education, <laughs> at the very least. I mean, not all students are the same. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, a lot of this comes out of the fact that, you know, uh, yeah, I do, think, I do think school is stupid and blah, 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 right? I, I do think it's stupid and arbitrary. Like, so many things about my education, I'm like, my gosh, right? Why, why on earth? Why on earth? Like, this is, uh, it is, it is either ignorant torture or else malicious torture of children. Right. I'm not happy about it. Right. Um, but I want to figure out a way to to capture that truth and contain it and live it without being the reactionary cow with an AK-47. Yes. 
without being right. Murdered. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I have right, and to me, the answer to that, to me, the answer to that, that uh, that dynamism is basically defetishize the system and don't don't even don't even view it as an important as an important landmark in sort of your educational map. And and the reason why is because here, here's here's the way you can think about it is the reactionary cow fetishizes the system by rebelling against it. Oh, interesting. Even though even though he rebels against it, he's still it's still in some sense like the the, the, the reference point of his world, right? You know, without the without the slaughterhouse to 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 go burn down, he wouldn't have anything to do. Rebel without a cause. Yes. Um. Now the 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 cow who just goes through and gets turned into hamburger, right? He also fetishizes the system in the opposite direction, right? Total fetishizes the system as, as as total submission and, and acceptance, again, right? It's totally defining his world. Yeah. So the Kevlar cow, like the whole point of wearing that Kevlar skirt thing around you as a cow, gosh, this is a weird metaphor. Um, is is to make it so that you don't care if the system's there or not. If the system's there, it's a good thing. If it's not there, it's a good thing. Everything's a good thing. You're okay, right? It's it's so so. I this is why I think right. The the real solution is to de-fetishize the system and instead say, okay, wait a second. How can I make myself, or how can I how can I be a Kevlar cow in this situation? How can I be a Kevlar cow? To be in the world, not of the world. In a, in a, to be Roughly. in the system, not of the system. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Fair fair way of thinking about it. And so so that's why I think I I, I just I don't I don't think the answer is. In the system at all, I don't think it's in rebelling against the system. I don't think it's in submitting the system. I don't think it's in tweaking the system. Although, all those could conceivably be appropriate things, yeah. right? It's it, it, my point is it's the wrong place to look. It's the wrong reference point. Yeah. Said so you want to be looking at yourself. You said you want to be looking at yourself. How does that get applied? Um, one way that you've done that is by having very specific goals in your classes and using them more or less as tools. Um, I'm trying to think about how I either already apply this or should in the near future. Hmm. And one thing that I've been trying to do is, oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting way I've been doing it. Oh, okay. Um, conversations outside of class. So in, in law school, um, you do a lot of reading. And the reading is covering really interesting stuff. I mean, it's case law. There's lots of stuff to discuss there. Um, the format of the classroom discussion is uh, Socratic, so it, it ends up being mostly lecture peppered with questions, kind of taking on individual students and asking them to explain the case material. Mm -hmm. But where I found a lot of the value in my uh, classes has actually been in discussions with fellow students outside of the classes. Hmm. and. Funny enough, the design of the BYU Law School is explicitly designed around that. They, they did a refurbishing of the building just a couple of years ago and created lots of commons areas where there are a lot of really good places to sit and chat. And that was done very explicitly by the administration in order to cultivate this sort of extra outside of the classroom discussion. And I found that that has been tremendously valuable. I mean, seeing it uh, in a more complete way where the classes are part of the context in which I live and go about my business. Mm -hmm. But they're not everything. And there are opportunities, say, in the cracks in between um, mm. in between this appointment and that appointment. Yeah, yeah. So so sort of if, if, if I'm not misrepresenting your view, uh, it's, you know, okay, so your classes are not as helpful as you might want them to be 
for for this they're development good, of ideas. But they're not for for the development of ideas. Particularly for discussion, there's just not a lot of room for that. Uh-huh. It, it, there's more of it in some classes than others, as always. But mm-hmm. um, if, if you really want that, you kind of have to look for it outside. And one thing yeah. I've done is so is, yeah. so so rather than just sort of saying, oh, okay, well, you know, my professors must know best. Discussion must not be a good thing. Right. Yeah. That's one option you could take. Or another option you could take is, ah, you know, I hate Stupid my law classes. They're so bad. Rah, rah, rah. Discussion. Rah, rah, rah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. exactly. And instead, the right answer seems to be something much more like, okay, well, the classes, you know, they, they have their use. And uh, it's they also good to, to have some discussion. It's also good to have some discussion, right? And so, so there's a piece of you that exists that isn't underneath the umbrella of the class, let's say. Yeah. You're more, you're more than just a student in the classroom. Uh, also, it All hail the Kevlar cow. All hail the Kevlar cow. There, there is a... Uh, it's interesting that part of you has to be outside of the classroom in order to make decisions with reference to the classroom. You need to be able to kind of take a meta perspective and look at how the school is working and whether or not it is working sufficiently for you so that mm-hmm. you can fill in those gaps yeah. and you can make supplements. But you need to have enough of yourself in it that you're able to derive value from it because otherwise you're just wasting years of your life. Yeah. And Oh, yeah. Well, if you go to class and you're not getting anything out of the class, guess what? The problem might be you, not the class. Yeah. It's almost certainly you, not the class. I've, I've had professors I've been able to get along well with. I've had professors I've not been able to get along well with. And in both of those cases, the common factor was me. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, that's, that's been something to correct and kind of repent of. Um, develop a little bit of humility so that I'm able to take the good even when it's not complete good. Yeah, well, you know, here's an interesting thing that's, that's that I'm thinking about. So my thesis was on Trump and trolling, and that's a previous podcast episode. If you want to go check it out, it was quite the exciting project. And it was a really, let's say, like it's a juicy thesis project in the area of rhetoric. Sure. Um, there's a lot of people who, I mean, everyone in the rhetoric community is figuring out, okay, like what is what is going on here with 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 Trump's election and his rhetoric, right? Um, and and there hasn't been all that much writing on it because all the rhetorical scholars are still figuring out what they think about it, right? So it's a really contemporary topic, really juicy, really interesting. It was a great thing to write my thesis on, right? Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to turn it in a, into a publishable article, fingers crossed, right? Um, most of my interests with the rhetoric program actually have to do with uh, what's called the classical rhetorical curriculum, which is the, the education system that existed from the Renaissance backward into ancient Greece. So uh, classical Greece, um, the Roman era, and then uh, kind of the medieval period and then the Renaissance, right? And I'm actually um, Funny enough, on a think tank that's writing a book for high school teachers about that. So this hopefully is the education that system that produced both Shakespeare and Cicero. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a pretty uh, consistent and harmonious educational philosophy, right? So gosh, maybe that's the thing we should be talking about today. But that's, that's the topic for another podcast, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, but but what, what's so interesting to me about that is that my thesis was not, let's say, my main area of interest with rhetoric. It was a really good, juicy project, right? And I, and I still I feel really good about it, right? But my main areas with rhetorical interest, the ones that I'm kind of doing in my free time now that I'm done with the program, are, are in a different area. I don't think I'm, that's I, a bad I use, thing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Well, is one, I, one, I'm, I'm using the system for what it's good for and then yeah. not using it for what it's not good for. One thing I regret, so I did my undergraduate degree in English, and that was good and useful, and I am often shocked at how useful it was, particularly when I come to something where writing is an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, I actually wrote a letter in such a way that I was able to, to get my house when I was in the market for one. So, I mean, it, it's come in handy in all kinds of unusual and unexpected ways. Um, it's useful in this podcast, for instance. But I wish that I had done something in the hard sciences, um, something in engineering or such, because mm-hmm. those are things that I am interested in, but to do, say, the calculus and all the mm-hmm. you know, the harder 
drills, the things that require more mm -hmm. drill and kill in order to learn, like, yeah. the, you know, math, math in particular. I haven't taken a math class since 2010. I, I kind of wish I'd done that instead because it is far enough away from my natural inclination that a system reinforcing it would have been helpful for It'd me. It'd be kind of nice to have professors who are kind of on your back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, rather than having something which, you know, I, I don't, if it's something that you would learn entirely on your own, there is no need for you to be in the system at all. Yeah. And so you want something that pushes you a little bit in a way that is not quite comfortable, but is in a direction that you want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, th I mean, that's the whole, like, that's why people have personal trainers and so on and so forth, right? Like, I mean, that's why you tell your friend about your goals or your family member about your goals so that they can get on your back about it, right? It's because sometimes it's nice to have an external, yeah. an external push. Some push. Yeah. If the wind is always going in one direction, then you're not making a lot of progress. Gosh, I don't even know if that made sense. It's not clear that you've developed. I mean, you will have traveled, but not developed. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting stuff. So basically, there's there's this question of free will, of, of your own goals and expectations and desires, and you want your education to be owned. You want to own your education. not You don't want it to be owned. That's passive. You want to own your education. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to uh, overcommit such that you are the submissive. Uh, that kind of loses your personal agency and autonomy. And also you don't want to be in full rebellion mode because at that point your agency mm -hmm. and autonomy is irrelevant. I mean, mm -hmm. you exist for one yeah. kind of So it's about, it's about threading that needle. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to do, but totally, totally worth it. Maybe that's something we're talking about. Why is this worth it? I think it's self-evidently worth it. I think any time that you've been in, in a situation, any time you can think of that you've been in a situation where you've been genuinely learning and interested in what is happening, it's, it's self-evidently worth it. It do, I don't think it needs a justification. I think, it just, I think it just is. Universally, this is something that everyone has experienced and therefore will be able to Well, I don't see. know if everyone's experienced it, but I think if you do experience it, you'll know. It's, it's, it's good. You, you will have experiential knowledge. Hey, wait a second. This is the right way to do things. Yeah. You absolutely will. That's what I think. Um, okay, well, I don't know if there's anything else you want to bring up. Well, uh, I think we definitely need to have the future conversation about <laughs> the, uh, the prognosmata and the, the classical rhetorical, classical rhetorical curriculum. curriculum. That will be extremely interesting to do All right, because I'm, it's so simple. I mean, a lot of the things that you do there just seem applicable and, and like, just it's really well put together. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping that makes it into some other videos on the channel too. Um, okay, last question. 30 seconds or less. Well, actually, let's even cut it down more. Um, one sentence, what's your philosophy of education? Ah... <sighs> That doesn't use up my sentence, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, one sentence or more, education. How about you go first? Sure. Um, uh, uh, yes. Yes. The education that can be told is not the true education. Quoting the Tao teacher. <laughs> well done. Well done. There we go. That's my one. That's my one phrase. Yeah, and that is a quote from the Tao Te Ching if you want to check that out. So, uh, well, first first chapter, so you shouldn't have any trouble finding it. Um, be picky, but not bitter. Mm, okay. Hey, these are, these are good pieces of advice. All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap uh, that up for today. As always, we want to thank you for listening. It's a lot of fun for us. We hope it's a lot of fun for you. Um, be sure to check out the other videos on our channel, and we'll have more, uh, more episodes of the podcast 
uh, up in the near future as we drive all around Europe. So that should be fun. Um, As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a like and subscribe. Thank you very much.